So this morning, uh, I'm really excited about the opportunity. We're going to begin a brand new series today entitled Financial Freedom. And you might be thinking, well, Pastor Keith, why in the world are we going to talk about financial freedom? Well, let me tell you why. Uh, because this message actually may be the most significant message you hear all year, and we're just starting the year, amen? Uh, because the power of what we're going to talk about over the next couple weeks has really the power to change the trajectory of your life. So let's talk about, just a second, before we talk about financial freedom, uh, let's talk about spiritual bondage. I think the greatest bondage that a person can be in is spiritual bondage, because the Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death, right? Sin separates us from God. Sin keeps us from an intimate relationship with the Lord, knowing Him, receiving His forgiveness and His grace, and only when we come to Christ and accept the forgiveness of sins that He offers through His death and resurrection can the, the power of sin be broken and the liberty that Christ brings come into our heart and our life. So without a doubt, the greatest bondage is spiritual bondage when we're bound to sin. But I believe this out of my personal experience not just as a pastor, but as a person, I believe that the next greatest level of bondage that we face in our lives is financial bondage. And I believe this. I believe that when a person is bound financially, when they are living consistently and continually in a place of financial lack and financial bondage, that person is bound to such a degree that not maybe they're not missing out on intimacy with God, but this is what I want you to see. Spiritual bondage keeps you from intimacy with God. Financial bondage plays music. David's like, where is that button? Hey, make sure I'm behind the keyboard next time we do that. <laughs> Financial bondage keeps you from your purpose. Spiritual bondage keeps you from intimacy, but financial bondage keeps you from your purpose. And here we go again. David, you're having trouble back there. Y'all give David a round of applause. Let's just pick on him. He's not doing anything, but something really cool is happening. Now, if I was a hip-hop preacher, I might could throw a beat down right now or something. Bam. Thank you, David. Let's give him a round of applause for knowing how to fix the problem. That was all Rob Clark. We'll give him a hard time next service. So financial bondage not only keeps you from your purpose, but here's what I want you to see. It doesn't keep you from your purpose because you don't have money. But what financial bondage and financial lack does is financial lack distracts you. Because if you are consistently, continually living in a place of financial lack, then you are distracted in your thoughts. You're distracted in your energy, and you're distracted in your attention and your efforts. Because if you don't have enough to pay the bills, if you don't have enough to feed the family, if you don't have enough to meet the necessary requirements of life, then guess what you're constantly thinking about? You're constantly thinking about money. When you are bound by financial lack and you don't have enough to do the things that you need to do to live the life that God has called you to live, then your thoughts, your energy, and your attention is constantly distracted by the financial need that lords itself over you. 
And the reality is, is that many people are not fulfilling their purpose in Christ, not because they don't have enough money, but because of financial lack and financial bondage, they're constantly distracted by the thoughts of money instead of being able to give themselves to the things that God has really called them to do. And I'm going to just share a couple things today in my own personal story because that was my life for many years as a pastor, as a tithing, giving pastor. I lived much of my early years of ministry in a place of financial bondage and in a place of financial lack. And we kind of have this Christian idea that if I tithe and I give, then everything's going to be okay. But I want you to understand that financial freedom, yes, tithing and giving, and we're going to talk about that over the next few weeks, are a part of that process But we're going to see some amazing things that if you and I can grab hold of this, you want to talk about being liberated, you want to talk about being freed, you want to talk about being empowered, then move into a place of financial freedom and you will find out that you will be empowered and liberated to fulfill the purpose and the plan that God has for you like no other time or season in your life. And it is a beautiful, wonderful, glorious thing that God desires for each and every person on planet earth, amen, especially for his children, amen. So let's look at our first little thought this morning, and I'm going to give you a definition of financial freedom. So what does it mean to be financially free? This is a definition the Lord gave me several years ago. It simply means this. It means that we are able to live and give without the anxiety that comes from financial lack. We are able to live and give without the the anxiety that comes from financial lack. Let's talk about live, right? We are able to live. Literally, pay the bills, feed the kids, keep the lights on, keep the water on, keep the stuff going, put gas in the car, have tires on the car, be able to just live our lives. So I'm not necessarily talking here about extravagant living. I'm just talking about the necessities of life, the daily living. Financial freedoms means that we come to a place that we can, number one, begin to live without the anxiety of financial lack. Now, this is what I know. Years ago when I was young and dumb, I heard somebody say this. I heard somebody say, oh, well, all those rich people ever think about is money. You ever heard anybody say something like that? All those rich people ever think about is money. All those rich people care about is money. Let me tell you what I know to be true now. <laughs> you know who thinks about money all the time? Poor people. Poor people think about money a whole lot more than rich people do. As a matter of fact, rich people have figured out how not to think about money, how to think about doing the things they've been called to do because they're no longer living under the anxiety of financial lack. And here's the revelation, guys. God wants to bring you to a place of financial freedom where you can be set free from the anxiety of financial lack. Now, this doesn't mean we don't live by faith. We're going to talk about how significant faith is, and we're not talking about removing God from the equation of our financial life. Absolutely not. God is the centerpiece of our financial life. But what we're going to recognize is that if I'm going to come to a place of financial freedom, I'm going to come to a place where I can actually begin to live outside of that anxiety with that weight, with that burden, with that worry, with that stress. Because let's just be honest, we've all been there and probably done that. Maybe have the t-shirt if you could have afforded one. Right? We've all been in those places where financial lack was so overwhelming and the anxiety of financial pressure was so great that literally that's all you thought about. 
And here's what financial lack does. It robs you of the ability to be a good husband or mother, husband or father or wife or mother. It robs you of the ability to invest in your family because guess what? When you're with your family and you're stressed out about money, then you're not really with your family. Come on, somebody. Y'all listen to me. Y'all talk to me. When you're with your family and you're stressed out about money, you're not really really with your family. And you're looking at your kids, and instead of enjoying them, now you're more concerned about how are you going to provide for them, and how are you going to take care of them, and how are you going to do these things, and they come home from school, hey, we get to do this. And you look at the bottom line, it's going to cost $150, and you're like, oh my gosh, how are we ever going to do that? I don't have an extra $150, and you're so excited about doing this thing that I don't have the money to do. And the reality is, is when you live in a place of financial lack, you're so distracted by the anxiety and the worry and the weight of finances that you can't even enjoy your family. You can't even enjoy your job. How many know you actually ought to enjoy your job? Did y'all know that? That might be a revelation to some people today. But if you live in financial lack, here's what's crazy. If you live in financial lack, you'll go to work, and I've seen this happen, and you probably have too. I've seen people miss their promotion. They didn't get the raise, and they didn't get the promotion. Because every day when they were at work, instead of giving themselves mentally to their job, they were worried about how, what they were going to do after their job to make more money to pay the bills. And so they actually struggled on their job doing their job because they were worried about money, which is what their job is actually provided there to give them. Isn't that crazy? But it happens. It happens over and over and over again. People go to work, and they don't want to be at work. Let me tell you something. Your job has a twofold blessing. It is a place of provision that God has given to you, because the Bible says if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. It is a place of provision that God has given you. You ought to get excited about your job. I'm going to share a little testimony in a minute about that. And then it's also a place of opportunity for you to shine the light of Jesus Christ. Because there are people that are going to show up and work in a cubicle next to you for 40 hours a week that will never show up to church and hear me preach, but they get stuck with you every day for 40 hours a week because your boss pays them to work beside you. And you have an opportunity to shine the light of Jesus Christ. You have an opportunity on your job to go into houses and interact with people and cross the paths of people that may never come to church, but because somebody's paying them money, they'll show up and work beside you every day for 40 hours a week. And you're so stressed out about money that you're missing the opportunity to be a light in the darkness, and you go in there and gripe about your job worse than they do. Boy, it's good preaching, ain't it, guys? Aren't we having fun this morning? Aren't you glad you come to church? Praise the Lord. <clears throat> Let's talk one more thing real quick, and we're going to move on. Financial act robs you not only of your family, not only on your job, but it robs you in the church and ministry. Because when you're so consumed about the financial lack in your life, and you're so consumed about the anxiety that comes from money, not having enough money, then you can't give yourself to the ministry that God has for you. And you end up finding that you don't have time, and you don't have energy, and you don't have clarity of thought to actually put yourself, put your hands to anything else. And so many people, I see this so many times, so many people have a heart to serve, but they're so stressed out about money 
that they don't have enough clarity of thought in their mind to take on something else. And the something else they usually pass on, usually the first thing to go is the ministry and the church that God has called them to serve. And I see it over and over and over again. And I've never met anybody that regretted serving God consistently and continually in a way that really fit the gifts and callings that God had for their life. Now, we can get out of order in any area, and it becomes bad. So here's what I want you to see. So, so financial freedom is about us being able to live and then even give. Let's talk about giving for just a second. This is what I know about you. If you're here today and you're a born-again believer, you have a heart of generosity. Right? If you're a born-again believer, you have a heart of generosity. The love of God has now been shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Spirit. And this is what I know about the average Christian. The average Christian really wants to help people. Right? The average Christian, when they see somebody that's hurting, and somebody that's broken, and somebody that's battered, and somebody that's abandoned, and somebody that's in need, the average Christian is moved with compassion. And we want to do something. But if you're living in a place of financial lack, that compassion, here, listen to me, that compassion now just creates frustration because you want to help somebody and you can't help somebody. I remember years ago, I was, I was down in Bethany at a big conference, and we were at a youth conference, and their church shared about how last year they had given $1 million in missions. And I remember saying, God, I want to do that. God, I want Liberty Church to get to the place where we could give a million dollars a year to spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hey, we're not there yet, but we're moving. Come on, somebody. And financial freedom means that you come to a place where you can live and you can give without the anxiety of financial lack. Now, let me give you a scripture, Deuteronomy 28. Y'all still with me? Everybody good? God said this to the nation of Israel, if you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully keep all his commands that I'm giving you today, the Lord your God will set you on high above all the nations of the world. And you will experience all these blessings if you obey the Lord your God. Your towns and your fields will be blessed. Your children and your crops will be blessed. The offspring of your herds and your flocks will be blessed. Your fruit baskets and breadboards will be blessed. Now, we may not have understood a lot of that stuff, right? Towns and fields and fruit baskets and breadboards. You're going to understand verse 6. Here we go. And wherever you go and whatever you do, wherever you go and whatever you do, you will be blessed. And the Lord will conquer your enemies when they attack you. They'll attack you from one direction, but they'll scatter from you in seven. Look at verse 8. And the Lord will guarantee a blessing on everything you do and will fill your storehouse, your checkbook, your savings account, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that he is giving you. Now I want you to see something. Look at that next point on your outline because the first step to financial freedom has nothing to do with money. It has everything to do with faith. The first step to financial freedom has nothing to do with money. It has everything to do with faith. Here's the first step to you and me moving to a place of financial freedom. We have to believe. We have to believe in our heart that God wants to bless us and that he wants us to be financially free. We have to believe that. 
We have to believe that God wants to bless us and God wants us financially free. Now, let me just go ahead and interject a real important statement here. I do not believe that God wants everybody to be a millionaire. I don't believe that. And the reason I don't believe that is because God intends the church to infiltrate every level of society. Because everybody, rich and poor, black and white, everybody needs the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so everybody is not called to live in a financial realm where you make a million dollars. But this is what I do believe. I don't believe everybody's called to be a millionaire, but I do believe that every believer is called to be blessed of the Lord and walk in financial freedom. And it doesn't matter if you make $25,000 a year, $50,000 a year, $100,000 a year, $500,000 a year, $10 million a year. It doesn't matter how much money you make. God wants you to be blessed in the vocation and calling that he has called you. How many of you know a blessed plumber and a blessed, music, uh, and a blessed physician might make a little different money? But the blessed plumber and the blessed physician, the blessed physician isn't more blessed than the blessed plumber. If they're both walking in the blessing of God with financial freedom where they are free from the anxiety and stress of financial lack. So God hasn't called everybody to hit a financial marker, but God has called everybody to be blessed of the Lord and to walk in financial freedom where you're free from the anxiety and worry of not enough. Amen? So, the first thing that has to happen is we have to believe. Ephesians chapter 1. It says, all praise to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. How many spiritual blessings? Every spiritual blessings. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. All praise to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. I want you to see this first of all. I want you to see that the Bible says that if you are a believer in Christ and you have been united with God through Christ, then you have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. You might be sitting there thinking, well, Pastor Keith, that's wonderful, but I need money. Right? Let me give you a revelation today. Every natural blessing, every relational blessing, and every financial blessing begins in the spirit realm. It all begins in the spirit. Because the blessing of God, every spiritual blessing that God pours out on you is a blessing that manifests in the flesh through physical, relational, and financial prosperity. God blesses you spiritually so he can prosper you physically. God blesses you spiritually so he can prosper you relationally. God blesses you spiritually so he can prosper you financially. Because let me tell you about the blessing of God. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs that the blessing of the Lord makes a man rich and adds no sorrow with it. And let me just say this to you today. Favor ain't fair, guys. God will bless you with favor. Let me tell you something. One day of favor from the blessing of God is better than a lifetime of labor. 
Right? One day of favor. In one day of favor, God can connect you. In one day of favor, God can open a door for you. In one day of favor, God can position you, promote you, and prosper you in a moment of time quicker than a lifetime of labor without the blessing of God. So every blessing, James chapter 1 says that every, spirit, every blessing comes from above and descends down from the Father of lights. Every good and every perfect gift comes from above. Every good and every perfect gift, every financial blessing, every physical blessing, every relational blessing comes down from above. Why? Because God blesses you spiritually, and it's that spiritual blessing that opens the door for physical, financial, and relational prosperity for God to advance you in the earth. So we have to believe that God wants to bless us. Look at our next scripture. I want you to see this. 2 Corinthians 8, verse 9, says, You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty he could make you rich. Jesus was rich. The Bible says he became poor so that through his poverty he might make us rich. Now, somebody really spiritual will say, well, Pastor Keith, you know, that's talking about spiritual poverty. Jesus became spiritually poor, really. He raised the dead, he healed the sick, he walked on water, he rebuked the winds and the waves, he multiplied the fish and the loaves. If that's spiritual poverty, give me a double dose. Jesus did not become spiritually poor. He was endued with power from on high. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us. Jesus became financially poor. He went from streets of gold and gates of pearls to living in dust and dirt. He became poor that through his poverty you might be rich. Now let me just back you up to Ephesians that we just read. It says that we are blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places because we are united with Christ. Deuteronomy 28, that scripture we started with. Deuteronomy 28, which is an amazing chapter that releases the blessing of God, right? But this is what it says. It says you're blessed if you obey God. In Deuteronomy 28, the blessing of God was based on their obedience. In Ephesians chapter 1, the blessing of God is based on our unity with Christ. I'm blessed with every spiritual blessing because I'm connected to Christ. It is by faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ that I now have access to enter into everything that God has for me. Now, that doesn't mean I don't have to still obey God, but it means that the source of blessing is no longer based on my obedience. It's based on His finished work. Somebody ought to get excited about it. It's no longer based on your obedience. I mean, let's be honest. There have been some times you royally screwed up. You ever been there, done that? You ever had those moments? I mean, you blew it, and you know that you blew it, and you blew it really, 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 really big. And God came in and redeemed it. And God came in and rescued you. And God came in and delivered you. And God came in and took what should have destroyed you, and he prospered you in the midst of your chaos. And you knew that if you'd have got what you deserved, you'd be broke, busted, and disgusted forever. But the blessing of God on your life is no longer based solely on your obedience. we got a part to play. We'll talk about that over the next few weeks. But the source of our blessing is that we are now united with Christ through faith in the finished work that Jesus Christ did on the cross. We now have access to the riches of his glory because of the finished work of the cross.
And that's good news, amen? Let me give you one more scripture, and I'm going to read something to you, and I'm going to share a little of my story with you. Matthew chapter 9, the Bible says, And when Jesus had come into the house, the blind men, there were two blind men that came to him asking to receive their sight. Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I'm able to do this? And they said to him, Yes, Lord. And then he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, let it be to you. According to your faith, let it be to you. You're going to see Jesus say that over and over in the Gospels. According to your faith, according to your faith, according to your faith, according to your faith, according to your faith. If you can believe you've received it, then you'll have it. See, the first step to financial freedom is you've got to believe. You've got to believe that God wants to bless you and God wants you to be financially free. That God wants to bring you out from that yoke of bondage that keeps you in a place of anxiety, worry, and fear where you can't give yourself mentally, emotionally, physically, or even spiritually to the things that God has brought into your life. And the reality is it all begins with faith. We have to believe according to our faith. Now, I'm going to read you something. Unbelief disqualifies us from the blessing of God. It causes us to squander our inheritance and misuse what we have. If you don't believe that God wants to bless you, then you will squander the blessing that God gives you. You remember the story of the prodigal son? He took his inheritance, and the Bible says he wasted his inheritance with riotous living. If you don't really believe that God wants to bless you, you will squander the inheritance that God wants to give you, and you will waste away what was intended to promote you and bless you and prosper you and take you to the next level. You'll waste it and squander it and misuse it, and it'll be gone, and you'll still be broke, busted, and disgusted because you misused the blessing of God because you didn't believe that God really wanted to prosper you and bless you and give you financial freedom. See, it's what, what, what I've learned to call a poverty mentality. And so many people, so many Christians live with a poverty mentality. I had an opportunity years ago, my first mission trip, I went down to Mexico, and we went into the city dump. And we went to this city, and we went to the city dump, and there were literally hundreds of families that lived in the city dump. That's where they lived. And they would, they would scurry stuff or salvage stuff out of the dump, and they literally would build these shacks inside the city dump. And then what was amazing is every shack, I'm talking shacks, had a fence built around it. They built fences. They would take pallets and stand them up, nail them together. They built fences around their shacks. And in my little American mind, I thought, why in the world would anybody want to break into your shack? I mean, it's, it's, it's a shack. It's garbage gathered and propped and put together to build their houses. And they would build these fences around their shacks. And the pastor there told us, he said, one of the hardest things we have, one of the, one of the greatest obstacles we have to overcome is we minister, because they were literally building a church in the city dump to minister to these hundreds of families that were living there. He said, one of the greatest obstacles we have is to teach them how to give. He said, they have lived in such poverty. He said, that poverty mentality causes them to live their lives closed-fisted. And he said, they build fences around everything they have. They are so guarded. He said, they have a closed-fist life. They white-knuckle everything that they have because they don't believe there will ever be enough. 
They don't believe there will ever be enough. And if you get what I got, I may not have enough to take care of my own. So I've got to guard what I've got to keep you from getting what I've got because Lord help me if I'd ever give you anything because if I give you something, that must mean I'm going to do without. And how many of you understand so many Christians, so many Americans live with that poverty mentality? And as long as you live closed-fisted, you can't receive what God has. Just think about some wealthy Christians you know. I mean, godly people. I'm telling you, there's a bunch of them. And when you think about the godly people you know that have money, they live like this. Now, they're frugal. They don't waste stuff. They don't frivolously spend money. But they're givers. And they're not givers because they have wealth. They have wealth because they're givers. And they learn to live their lives with an open hand because they believe. See, here's, here's a poverty mentality. If I give you my piece of the pie, there won't be enough pie for me. But how many know Jesus can take two, li- two loaves and five fish and he can feed 5,000? And then he can take up 12 loaves of leftover. See, that's, that's a prosperity mentality. If I give you what I've got, then God can give me more, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Now, there's an order and a process to that. You can't give everything away because you can't give what you don't own, and we'll talk about that later. But there has to be something broken because that poverty mentality will rob us. Let me, let me read one more thing to you, and I'm going to share something with you. Y'all still with me? Everybody good? Unbelief creates lack, fear, frustration, and disgust. When someone says they hate money, you ever heard somebody say, I just hate money. I wish we could live without money. I can't stand money. I just hate it. When somebody says they hate money, they are deceived and bound by lack. Now, let me give you a pastoral confession. For many years, early in the ministry, that was me. I hated money. I used to pray, God, help me live without money. God, I want to get to a place where I don't need money at all. I, I want to get to the place. I want to live so fine and so, so slim and so without. I want, I want to live without. I want to just get to a place, God, I hate money. I hate handling money. I hate thinking about money. I hate talking about money. I hate money, God. I don't want it. Help me to live without it. And that poverty deceived mentality, I'm telling you, that was deception. And I was a tithing, giving pastor. And I was deceived. I was deceived. And I'm just going to tell you, unfortunately, it took me a long time. I was a slow learner. And a se- several events that God brought into my life, I'll never forget, I had, a, I had a, a, a local businessman that I would pray with. And he told me one day, he said, Keith, he said, I think you've got pride. I said, about what? He said, about money. He said, I think you're full of pride when it comes to money. Now, this guy's a millionaire, and he's telling me I got pride about money. And it didn't make me happy. And I said, well, how can you say that I have pride about money? He said, you just go home and ask the Lord to just talk to you. 
So I went home and I said, God, I said, I don't love money. As a matter of fact, I hate money. I don't want money. I don't need money. I don't think about money. I really don't. I don't think about it. I don't think about buying nothing. I don't want nothing. There's nothing I want, God. There's no physical, natural desire that I have. I just want to build your kingdom. I want to win souls, make disciples, and destroy the works of hell. God, that's all I want. And the Lord said, that's pride. I said, What? He said, Keith, he said, you are so proud of the fact that you don't desire money, that you think you're more spiritual than those who do. And it's pride. That broke me a little. Then about 15 years ago, I'm pastor Liberty Church. I'm working laying carpet, pastoring the church. That's what I used to do. I was a carpet layer. So Brother Curtis and Diane Snyder had just come into the church, and he had hired me to come over and put new carpet in their house. And he said, Brother Keith, would you care if I, if I just take off work and come help you? I work by myself. And I said, yeah, that'd be fine. He said, I just want to get to know you and spend a little time with you. I said, that'd be wonderful. That's fine. Come on. For two days, I worked with Brother Curtis. And for two days, he tells me, this is amazing. He said, boy, you're really talented. Boy, you've got a lot of skill here. This, do you realize most people can't do what you're doing? This is, this is awesome. This looks so good. This is amazing. What are you doing to build your business? How are you promoting this? How are you marketing your business? What are you doing to grow your business? And all the while, I didn't know him well enough to say this out loud, so I thought in the back of my head, I thought, are you stupid? Are you crazy? Have you lost your mind? Don't you know? Here it is. I hate laying carpet. I'm called to ministry. I want to serve God full time. I hate laying carpet. I just lay carpet because I have to lay carpet to feed my family. But don't you know, come on, Brother Curtis, can't you see the anointing on me? Can't you see God's called me? Can't you see that God's gifted me? Can't you see this is my passion and my vision, and this is where I want to spend my life? And I hate laying carpet, and I only do it because I have to. And I want to be full time in ministry because that's where my heart is. And for two days... He just told me that. For two days, I thought, you're crazy. Second day, I'm driving home. And the Holy Spirit says, you know he's right. I don't know. I, I, sometimes I get shocked with God. I'm like, what? He ain't God. How can he be right? He said, Keith, he said, I've given you a skill and a talent and ability and it's intended to financially prosper and bless your family. And you've been cursing what I've been giving you to bless you and prosper you. And I repented. And for the first time, I was going to tell you, for the first time in my life, I said, okay, God, I want to make money. I want to build my business. And I want to prosper and grow this thing you've called me to do. First time, I mean, in my life. Now, up to this time, let me just tell you, up to this time, I'd been pastor now. I pastored six years at the Little Methodist Church, and now I was six years into Liberty Church. And in 12 years, I quit my job five times to go full-time in the ministry, and I was going to live by faith and trust God. And five times, we like to starve to death. 
And five times we got deeper and deeper in debt because of my stupidity. So I have this encounter with Brother Curtis, and I have this encounter with the Lord, and I go home, and for the first time I say, okay, God, I'm going to build this business. And I ask, and this is crazy, I ask God really for the first time to bless my carpet laying business. I've been asking God to get me out of the business. I never once thought to ask God to bless my business. I ask him to bless it. In six months, in six months, God financially prospered my family in a way I never, I never imagined possible. We were in such a deep hole financially. We were struggling just to live week, week to week, paycheck to paycheck, not even making it paycheck to paycheck. Let me just be honest. We were trying to keep our heads above water. And in six months, God brought us for the first time in our lives to a place of financial stability. We weren't financially free, but we were stable for the first time in our lives. After six months, then the elders come to me and they say, Pastor Keith, we believe we're ready financially for you to go full time at the church. And that was 14 years ago, and I went full-time, and we've never looked back. But the lesson I had to learn is that God was trying to bless me, and I was resisting the blessing of God because I was deceived into believing a lie. And I had cursed money, and I had cursed my job, and when I began to bless money, and I began to bless my job, God began to prosper us financially. This is what the Holy Spirit said to me. He said, Keith, he said, I can do a whole lot more through you if you have something than I can if you have nothing. Well, I'd done nothing for a long time. And I'm just going to tell you, it's a lot better to have something than nothing. And God wants us free. Amen? All right, I'm going to give you a couple last points right here. Everybody still with me? So let me give you four reasons why God wants to bless us, why he wants us blessed and financially free. Number one, he is a good father. He's a good father. He loves us and delights in blessing his children. In Luke 12, Jesus said, and don't be concerned about what to eat or what to drink, and don't worry about such things, for these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. Think about it. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. All the unbelieving world thinks about is money, money, money. How am I going to pay the bills? How am I going to pay the bills? How am I going to keep the lights on? How am I going to feed the kids? How am I going to do all this stuff? Jesus said, all these things dominate and control the thoughts of unbelievers, but don't worry about it. Look what he says. Because your Father already knows your needs. So seek the kingdom of God above all else, and he will give you everything you need. So don't be afraid, my little flock, for it gives your father great happiness, great pleasure to give you the kingdom, the king's dominion. God wants to give us the king's dominion, and let me tell you, where the king reigns and where the king rules, there is more than enough. God's not broke, busted, or disgusted. Come on, somebody. He walks on streets paved with gold. And the reason we got to believe that God wants us to bless us is because, number one, he's a good father. And you know what I know about good fathers? Good fathers want to bless their kids. And not only do good fathers want to bless their kids, good fathers want their kids to actually have more than they had. Right? 
We want them to be more successful than we are. We want them to be more financially blessed and free than we are. I tell my kids all the time, I'm a stepping stone in your life. I want you to stand on my shoulders and go further, go faster, and do more than I ever imagined possible. I don't want to be a lid that holds you down. I want to be a stepping stone that launches you forward into the good things that God has for you. And every good father I know wants that for their kids. And God's a good father. Let me tell you what we, we say about fathers that don't take care of their kids. We call them deadbeat dads. And when you think about a deadbeat dad, a father that doesn't provide for his children, we don't look at that man with adoration and respect. We look at that man with disgust. Let me tell you something. Your God is not a deadbeat dad. He's a good father who knows your needs and wants to meet your every need. Amen? The second reason why we should believe that God wants to bless us and free us financially is that we represent Him and our blessings bring Him glory. We represent Him and our blessings bring Him glory. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says we are ambassadors. We are Christ ambassadors and God is making His appeal through us for we speak for Christ when we plead come back to God. We are ambassadors for Christ. We are representatives of the Lord. We represent Christ everywhere we go. And how many of you understand that the king's kids aren't broke, busted, and disgusted? Right? The king's kids are not broke, busted, and disgusted. Right? All you mamas will understand this. When your kids go out in public, you want them to look right. You want them to look decent. Daddies don't always care, right? We don't care if they match, right? But the mamas do, right? We will make sure let's clean that off your face. Come on, you're going out in public. Years ago, it used to say, hey, make sure you got clean underwear on in case you get in a wreck. Come on, somebody. Don't know that I really understood that one, but anyway, it used to be what they said. We represent Him. God, you're a representative of Jesus Christ. So why would God want His kids to live in financial lack and need when He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords? Our blessings give him, will bring him glory. Look at Jeremiah 33. It says, Nevertheless, the time will come when I will heal Jerusalem's wounds and give it prosperity and true peace. I will restore the fortunes of Judah and Israel and rebuild their towns. I will cleanse them of their sins and forgive all their sins of rebellion. So God says, I'm going to bless them financially, I'm going to bless them physically, and I'm going to bless them spiritually by cleansing and forgiving their sins. Then look what he says in verse 9. He says, and then, and then this city will bring me joy, glory, and honor before all the nations of the earth, and the people of the world will see all the good that I do for my people, and they will tremble with awe at the peace and prosperity I provide for them. He says, when the world sees how good I take care of my kids, they'll give me glory and honor and praise. It glorifies God for you to be blessed, amen, and for you to be financially free. Look at the next part. Third reason God wants to bless you and set you financially free is because blessed people bless people. We can't give what we don't have. In Genesis 12, God speaking to Abraham says, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. You know what? God, God, God wants you to enjoy the blessing, but God wants to bless you with more than enough. Right? God wants to bless you with more than enough so you can actually enjoy the blessing and you can actually share the blessing with other people. 
And I made the statement a while ago, so many times we're moved with compassion and we want to help people, but we don't have the resources to help them. God wants you blessed. Why? Because blessed people, bless people. Amen? God wants you to be a blessing to other people. And we have an amazing, generous church. I've seen so many people in our church give and give and give. See a need and meet a need. See a hurt and mend a hurt. See a problem and create a remedy for that problem because our generosity makes a difference in somebody else's life. Amen? Last point. God wants us blessed because it requires money to fulfill God's plan on the earth. The vision requires provision. In Deuteronomy 18, verse 18, the Bible says, Remember the Lord your God. He's the one who gives you the power to get wealth, to fulfill the covenant He confirmed with your ancestors with an oath. God gives you the power to get wealth. Why? To fulfill the covenant. How many know God has a plan? God has a purpose. He is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He's given us a great commission, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Jesus has given us this great commission. And here's the reality. It takes provision for the vision. Now, here's the good news. Guess how God blesses the church? God blesses the church by blessing His people. That's how he does it. When God wants to bless the church, he blesses you. When God wants to advance the kingdom, he blesses you. When God wants to reach more people, he blesses you. When he wants to touch more souls, he blesses you. When he wants to win the lost, make disciples, and destroy the works of the devil, God blesses you. Why? Because God blesses the church so the church can give to the vision that God has for us. But here's the realization, guys. We got to believe it. We got to believe that God wants to bless you and set you financially free. So I want you to do this with me today. We're going to close in prayer. Let's every head bowed, every eye closed for just a minute. I wonder how many of you out there today may have been, may be just like I was not too many years ago. Maybe you've been in that place where you hate money and you hate your job and you hate all those things. And the truth is, like me, you've been deceived. Your job is a blessing. Money is a blessing, not a curse. Provision is a blessing. God wants you to be financially free. He wants you to live and give without the anxiety of financial lack. Not everybody's supposed to be a millionaire, but everybody's supposed to be blessed and financially free. That's what God has for you. And maybe like me, maybe, maybe, you were, maybe you've been deceived. And maybe like me, maybe today you're repenting. Maybe right now you're saying, God, forgive me. God, forgive me. God, I, I recognize the lie of the enemy, and I renounce that lie in the name of Jesus. And Father, today I grab hold of the truth of your Son, Jesus Christ. And God, I declare that it is your will and your plan and your purpose that I be blessed and financially free. I hope right now you're praying that prayer right now. I hope right now you're laying hold of, by faith, of the blessing and freedom that God wants to give you. Because it's yours. By faith. By faith we enter in. By faith we grab hold of what Jesus has already purchased and paid for. 
Let me just encourage you. Don't be as stubborn as I was. Don't wait as long as I did. God wants to meet that need. And we don't have to live with a poverty mentality. We can live with an open hand before the Lord. Because God can do more through you if you have something than He can if you don't have anything at all to give. And He can multiply what you have and do more than you ever imagined possible. So right now, just grab hold of that truth today. Let's grab hold by faith to the blessing of God. One last thing before we dismiss. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, Pastor Keith, man, I came to church this morning. I, I don't know what I think about money and all these things you're talking about, but I know right now that I'm not right with God. I'm not a child of God. I've never been born again. I don't have that generous heart you talked about. And I'm living under that weight and that torment of anxiety, but it's not just financial anxiety. My mind is constantly tormented with all the weights and the worries of this world. And you know what I believe? I believe today. I believe Jesus is my Savior and my Redeemer, and I want to accept Him this morning. I want to tell you something. Only when you're united with Christ by faith in what He's done on the cross will you ever enter into the peace that God has for you. So maybe you're here this morning. You say, Pastor Keith, I need that peace right now. I want to be saved. I've never been born again. I've never truly trusted in Jesus as my Lord and Savior, but I want to do that right now. If that's you, I want you just with every head bowed, every eye closed, just to stand to your feet. You don't have to come forward. Nobody's going to look at you, but this is an act of faith for you right now. Just stand to your feet. Today, I want to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I want to be born again. And I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. And that only by faith in Him can I have eternal life. If that's you, just stand. We're about to close in prayer. But I'd love to pray with you this morning. I'd love to pray with you. The greatest decision you can ever make is that decision to trust Jesus and accept Him as your Lord. Well, Father, we thank You today for the gift of Your Son. We thank You for the promise, blessing, and freedom that You have for us this morning. And Lord, I declare and release the spirit of faith over us today that we would believe and receive the blessing and financial freedom of God over our lives. And we give You all the glory today in Jesus' name. Amen.